0: God is good, amen? All the time? You know, I feel like I need to start off with an apology um, to Pastor Rob and his family, because, you know, sometimes when the Lord speaks to you, or you get excited about portions of Scripture, the Lord says, great, I'm going to give you the opportunity to exercise that faith, or whatever, whatever that may be. And so this this week, I was in the book of Esther, and I started talking to my wife, and I was really excited. Oh, the book of Esther is my favorite book. Uh, it's so amazing, because you have this line where, like, Esther is, like, so full of faith. She's like, fine, if I die, I die, but I'm going to go to the king as a means of saving the Jews, right? And so I was excited about this. Lord, you know, if you need to use me, I just want to say yes to you. And so he uses hard circumstances sometimes to accomplish his will and his, and his, his plan, Amen. And so, because Rob and his family all got the upchucks, I had to find out yesterday that I had to say yes to Jesus to preaching today. <laughs> so, Pastor Rob, Jackie, kids, I'm really sorry that the Lord chose to use that particular uh, moment to invite me to trust God. You can tr- I don't have a PowerPoint. I got nothing fancy for you this morning. Other than these four words. You can trust God. Can we say that together? You can trust God. Now we'll change it to I. I can trust God. So if you leave here this morning with even the slightest bit more faith to say these words, then I say amen. I'm just going to accept that as doing my job half well and walking away. So I'm an exhorter by nature. I'm not a teacher. Um, The only thing Pastor Rob and I have in common is, praise Jesus, the Holy Spirit. I have no Greek. I have no Hebrew. I went to one semester at Providence. I did not get my grades even from that one semester. So I can't come boasting any plaque other than I really love Jesus And I want you guys to love Jesus too. Is that okay? So I'm an exhorter. I call myself an exhorter. An exhorter is someone who takes scripture or takes an idea and passionately invites you to embrace that truth. Okay? So that's my plan today. I have three truths for you this morning. Three truths which are found in scripture. And I'm going to, Lord willing, passionately and strongly encourage you to embrace those truths and i want to kind of leap off of like mary uh if if all this is Christmassy, you know we can equate mary kind of into this into this conversation because she gets encountered by an angel and told hey you're gonna have a baby right and mary's response is glorious it's much different than Zechariah. There's two, in the beginning of Luke, there's two uh, baby announcements. There's two, like, finding out, hey, we're having a child moments. One is Zechariah and Elizabeth, right? Zechariah's actually praying that they'll have a baby. It says this because the angel that comes and visits them says, we heard your prayers, and you're going to have a child. And Zachariah's response is, well, no, no, prove it. He's like, no, no, no. Like, there's this big hesitation and lack of faith response where Mary, who was not praying, I mean, she shouldn't have been praying for that, she gets met by an angel as well and says, this, you're going to have a child moment. And what was her response? Man, I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be done to me as your will. Why? Because nothing is impossible with God. Amen? You can trust God. So let's leap off of there if you need a Christmassy kind of flavor to that. And so my point this morning, number one, you can trust God loves you and has a plan for you. Amen? Say, I can trust God loves me. And he has good plans for me. That's a true statement something I've been walking with my kids. I'm in this really crazy like, place with my children right now. Um, we had so much fun having three kids. We decided we'd start all over again and foster three amazing kids. So I had this place in my life where I'm walking with my son, and he's graduating. He's like, Dad, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? I don't, you know, I'm like, well, what what are you passionate about? What What do you enjoy? I don't know. What should I do? I really want to go to BC. I want to do this. But how am I going to afford to get married? How am I going to do this? And I was telling them, this is what I tell them. The one thing, trust God today. Be faithful today. What has he given you today? What has he called you to enjoy? So he had this itch to go to BC. Okay, so maybe that's the Lord. So I drove him to BC and I dropped him off. I I literally did at my mom's in her apartment. She didn't even have a bedroom. She had one of those like, just like these rooms would have like the French doors, you know. So they had to like build curtains so we had some kind of privacy. It's like, it's about this big. It's like really small. Anyways, I just dropped them off. Well, what am I gonna do for a job? What do you want to do? I want to be in agriculture. Well the Lord had spoken to us prophetically about agriculture, and so he got a job. Man, he's got a he he works on a farm. He works Monday through Friday, eight to three thirty, no evenings, no weekends, and he's a farmer. I'm like, that's not a farm job. That alone should tell you God loves you. I want to work in agriculture. Okay, Owen, oh, I love you so much. No evenings, no weekends. You're good. I'm going to pay you lots of money. But we're seeing this fruition. For, like There's certain things that don't make sense. His girlfriend is living here. He passionately, passionately, he doesn't know that word yet. He really loves her <laughs> and wants to marry her. Why would he leave? Man, God put something in his heart for BC. God put something in his heart for agriculture. And so he follows Jesus. And so this is what I'm doing to my older kids. Can you just trust Jesus today? i got a, a daughter in Kona. She's memorizing. Like, you just seeing Jesus. Like, and some part of me goes, maybe she's preparing. Maybe she's going to, um, maybe she'll go to post-secondary education. Maybe she's doing this. Blah. No, no, no. Just do what Jesus tells you today. Okay? Say yes to Jesus today. And then I have these other three kids which is really declaring how much Christ loves us, Jesus loves us, that God literally pulled out of the worst situations you could ever imagine. These three foster kids, and when I look at them, I I just want to cry because it's the picture of orphans being adopted and saved and giving a hope and a future. Amen? Church, you can trust that God loves you and has a good plan and we see that here in Esther. I want to go now we'll get to this text. Uh, Esther, you can see it here in Esther because this is who Esther was. Esther was an orphan. Her parents were killed. She had nobody except her uncle who loved her, Uncle Mordecai. And then she's sold into, like, nowadays, we would call this kidnapping or trafficking. Can you imagine if, like, the prime minister of Canada decided you're going to take all whom he deemed to be beautiful women and take them out of their homes, take them out of their jobs, and create this harem around them? Like, that's not a great place to be. That sounds a lot like slavery. Right? But then the Lord is there, isn't he? Man, she was beautiful. Man and she and the lord gave her favor so much favor i was reading this i was like this is amazing like who here knows of thermia okay this is apparently a glorious place i've never been there before right but but she gets like 6 months bathed in these oils like and i'm just like she's got 6 months at thermia you know, and then it says another six months at this other thermia location where she's just being beautified and washed over. I'm just seeing Jesus' favor on Esther as she's in that that horrible situation. And we all know what happens to Esther. She gets raised up, she was loved more than all the others, and she eventually gets made queen. She gets from an orphan, she has nobody raised up to be queen. And we know that Mordecai's kind of in that same, I mean, he doesn't get to go to Thermia, but this man of faith, right? Walking faithfully. I just love this picture of Mordecai. It says that when Esther got taken, you know, he would walk out the courts every day just to make sure that she was okay. This care, this love for his daughter that he had adopted. But Mordecai also, through this faithfulness, through this humility before the Lord, gets raised up. And he takes, eventually takes Haman's place in command of many and making an heir. Church, this is your story. Galatians 4, verse 3 to 7. When we were children, we were enslaved to elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions adoption of sons as sons and daughters. Amen. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit into uh, a Spirit of our son, uh, sorry, his son into our hearts, crying, Abba father. So you are no longer a slave, but, uh, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Amen. This should be causing you to rejoice right now. Like right in this moment, just hearing this truth. Now I, I, like, like, I, I like Peter. Second Peter chapter 1 says, man, I, I say these things to stir you up as a way of reminder. Right? So that when I leave, you will know them. Okay, that's me. I just want to be like Peter this morning. And exhort you and remind you in Christ that you, as Esther was taken as, a, as an orphan, was made an heir. That's your story. You can trust that God loves you been reading this book don't give the enemy a seat at your table oh there is such a glorious picture in in psalm 23 verse 5 and he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies our cup overflows church the lord passionately loves you has called you into relationship with you, has prepared this table. He's sitting there at this table wanting to have fellowship with you, to look you in the eye, give you all the attention. The the table's overflowing with goodness, good things you love. My table has zero mushrooms, just only things that I love. (laughs) Only things that I love. If there's mushrooms on my table, I know the enemy is present. He is there. (laughs) But there isn't. There's just my father and he sets in the presence of my enemies. There is hardships all around. There's hardships for you all around right now. That doesn't change the fact the father loves you and have plans for you because he prepared the table. And it is so glorious that when you sit at this table, you look around, you're thinking to yourself, this must have cost a Fortune. Because it is so good and so glorious. And the father would say, yes, it cost me my son's life. That's how much I love you. That's how much I want to sit at the table with you. It cost me my son's life. Don't even dare think you're unworthy. Don't uh, even dare think that I don't love you. It cost me everything. Church. You can trust that God loves you. He paid with his son. And this is Esther. This is Mordecai. Taken from low. In humility. Raised up. Point number two. I didn't even pray before we started. That's the grace of God. <laughs> Father, would you just have your way this morning? God, I, just, I passionately ask that you would reveal the love of Christ to every heart sitting here today. God, that they would see, see you clearly sitting across the table with all their favorites sitting there in front of them. Overflowing, overflowing, overflowing. May it pierce. May they not see the hardships around them in the same way. Lord Jesus, that we may know your love and your good plans for us, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Point number two, you can trust that he'll take the enemy's plans in your circumstances and turn them for good. It's not easy to trust, that is it? Have you ever heard that, that, that saying, coincidences happen when you pray? Right, we've heard that before. Um... When I wasn't following the Lord, so uh, I I grew up in a really faith-filled Christian home, both sides, my dad's sides and my mom's sides. Uh, Ones were Hebert's and ones were Friesen's, so I mean I was thoroughly entrenched in Mennonite uh, culture, lots of good food, um, and all all the other stuff that comes with it. Uh, But I had an amazing grandma. My grandma got filled with the Holy Spirit two weeks before I was born. And the doctors thought I was dead, lifted me up. My my grandma came and lifted me up with all the wires and asked God to save me. It's a crazy story. But anyways, I still, you know, I wasn't following the Lord. I ended up going this missions trip after I graduated. And uh, the last day of our missions trip was our fun day. And so we went to the beach and we thought we'd go swimming. We didn't know that that was the worst place for undertows. And 10 to 12 of us caught caught in an undertow and I thought I was going to die. That's what I thought would happen. And those those situations where the light flashes before your eyes. Like, have you ever heard that? My life flashed before my eyes. I know what that feels like. Literally. Just everything. And I cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, if you save me, I give you my life. I, I just commit everything to you. The waves paused for one second. I touched. I went in and two angels showed up out of nowhere. They showed up out of nowhere. We were on a secluded beach. They had a huge burlap rope. One guy did. I saw them over his shoulder, walked up. They pulled in all the rest. No one died. They they just magically pulled everyone in. Everybody came back to the beach. We turned around to say thank you. Gone. Disappeared. Into thin air. I testify, it happens. At the very same time, no exaggeration, at the very same time, my grandmother is sitting with my brother, my sister, and my cousins around a table eating a meal, and she's quickened by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit says, You need to pray for the people in Mexico. That's crazy. That's crazy. God save me. I'm here because of that day. That moment, like, well, many moments, but that, I will obviously never forget that moment. It changed my whole life. There's a, I don't know if he's here today, but there's a guy sitting here today, with his, here with his family, serving at Calvary. He testified this to me because I saw on his face and got to, got to actually walk through this with him. He, uh, I hadn't seen this guy in years and years and years. I, I had not rubbed shoulders with this guy. Uh, knew him uh, pretty well. One day, uh, I, I talked to Darian. This was, this was years ago. I said, hey, Darian, you want to go out for lunch? He says, yeah, sure. It was like the, the most just innocent little conversation. You want to go out for lunch? Shh. Sure, he says. We went out for lunch. After lunch, there was a business. I said, you want to just stop in there and say hi to that, you know, what's his name? Because I know he owns that business. He works there. He's like, yeah, sure. We walk in. The guy's face falls, like goes white. Like literally white. And I could tell someone's up. And I was like, dude, I walk around the counter. like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? He's like, I prayed this morning. I said, if Greg and Darian would walk through these doors... I wouldn't know you're calling me back to Calvary Church. Yeah, I'm not making this stuff up. This is crazy stuff. Mordecai hears about the edict that the king sets out, okay? The king, you know, Haman, he's all up your act. He's really upset because Mordecai won't bow to him, right? This guy's like, this guy's evil, He convinces the king, listen, man, there is a whole group of people that don't think the way we think. They don't think the way you think, king. And why should you be tolerating those people? How can you tolerate those people? You know what you should do? This is crazy. Listen to this. Is this where I wanted to say this part? We'll find out. It's not. Anyways. (laughs) That's what happens when you prepare a sermon the night before. Anyways. He has some evil plans, this edict that passed by. Mordecai's, and it was horrible to kill all the Jews, right? Kill them all. What does Mordecai do? Man, this guy puts on his sackcloth and ashes, humbles himself before the Lord, and just cries out to Jesus. Jesus, will you save us? Jesus, will you save us? And it was so public. Esther, you saw, right? They, They saw and they came out, put some clothes on, whatever. But he just humbles himself. Humbles himself before the Lord. Well, Lord, would you save the Jews? Would you save the Jews? Broken, humility, low, contrite spirit before the Lord, and what starts to happen? Coincidences start to happen. This is one of the, this is one of the, like, man. I read. I was talking to Michelle, and she's like, "How have they not made a movie about this stuff yet?" Because it's uncanny, isn't it? Four major coincidences. On the night Haman was planning, Haman got really excited, right? He's like, sweet, the Jews are going to die, and I'm awesome. You know, this is what we should do. We, uh, we should, like, kill, uh, we should kill Mordecai. We should hang him, right? When his friends started saying, this is what you should, you should kill. You should kill Mordecai. You should hang him. You should build some gallows. That's what you should do. 75 feet tall. I did my math. 75 feet tall. Huge gallows. We should hang him. He's all excited. At that very same time, the Bible says, okay, on that night, the king can't sleep. Hmm, how convenient. And when he says, well, hey, could you, could you bring me that book of memorable deeds? You know, that's what he wants. to. He can't sleep. Let me just read about some good deeds. And he starts reading about Mordecai. And how he had, you know, remember he, there was two guys that wanted to assassinate the king. And he became aware of it. And he told Esther. And he ended up saving the king. And the king starts reading about this. It's amazing. Have we honored this guy? This is the same time. You have Haman on one side. We need to destroy Mordecai. Let's build some gallows. At the very same time, the king's like, we need to honor Mordecai. Isn't that not oddly coincidental? And it goes on. So The king's like, okay, who's in the court? Someone's in the court. Who is that? It's Haman. I mean, I don't know what they were doing at this time of night. I mean, he was partying with his friends, and the king can't sleep, and then he decides he needs to go talk to the king late at night. I, I don't get quite that part, but... The king responds by one, number two, wanting to honor Mordecai. And he says, who's in the court? Just as Haman is entering in to speak about killing Mordecai. And then this crazy thing happens. He talks, to, he talks to Haman. Haman's all angry, right? He's all excited to be in the presence of the king again. And the king's like, hey, Haman, what would you do to someone if you want to honor them? And, more, and Haman and all of his pride is just like, oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, This is what I would do. Well, we should take some of the clothes that you've worn. We should dress them up, man. Like, bless the guy. Dress them up like a king. And then Any horse that you've ridden, we should do that. We should just put him on a horse that you've ridden, this glorious steed that has your DNA on it. We should do that. And then we should, now he's all pumped up. He's riding his horse. We should just parade him through town so everyone can look and say, "Woohoo! this guy's amazing. I'm amazing. It's all about me. And the king's like, yeah, that's a great idea. Why don't you go get Mordecai? (laughs) Can you, I mean, can you imagine Haman like... I mean the guy is so wickedly filled with this desire to kill this man, and now he has to honor him? Like he asked, asked he's playing the part. He made the plans. It wasn't even the king who made the plans. Isn't the Lord amazing? It's like, no, I'm gonna take what the enemy meant for evil. Oh, you mean uh eh, Haman's meaning some evil, I'm gonna turn that for good. Duh, 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 duh. And then it goes on, you know, just Right? The king leaves the room. He comes back in at the perfect time. Like the king leaves, comes back in, just as like Haman is like kind of leaning on Esther, you know? You know, the, one of those moments of like, why did you have to come in now? Right? It's just like when you're watching a movie, you know, you probably shouldn't, and someone comes in, you don't, and right when they start doing something inappropriate. And then we know that Haman gets hanged, hung on the gallows, the very gallows he made for Mordecai. And everything that was Haman's became Mordecai's. These coincidences, like when you read them, are just like, it can only be Jesus. Have you experienced those moments in your life, man, that can only be Jesus. Because Jesus takes what the enemy means for evil, and he has this habit of turning it for good. Church, you can trust God to take the enemy's plans and and your circumstances and change them for good. Romans 8, 28. How many times have you read that? It's a true. It's just a true story. That's what it is. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Maybe you're sitting here today and you've done great and honorable things and you're not seeing acknowledgement for them. Maybe you have people conspiring against you, and you're completely innocent, and you're wallowing in unfairness or wanting to defend yourself. Maybe you're just walking through some legit hard circumstances. And we know that's happening, church. And I don't say these things with any kind of ounce of, like, smarten up, make it seem easy. It's not easy. The table God per- prepares for us, is in the presence of our enemies. Right? He doesn't remove the enemies. He doesn't remove the hard circumstances. But he does say, yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, my rod and my staff will comfort you. He doesn't say up to those, up to the valley. He doesn't say get stuck in the valley. He says, you walk through it. I will be with you. Amen? The enemy's schemes are no match for the Lord's wisdom and divine providence. Amen? Amen? The enemy's schemes are no match for the Lord's wisdom and divine providence. So we need to trust the Lord to fight our battles. Number three, and finally, as you trust, you'll see victory and influence on those around you. I just want to acknowledge that, you know, again, I was just saying it, but like the battles are real and they can seem pretty hopeless. They can seem pretty lost. It's very real as we live in these earthly tents uh, that are prone to brokenness. And we long for a day when that will be no longer. But we can trust that we'll see victory and influence on those around us. All can seem completely lost. One of the, you know, this is where I was going to talk about him. Like this, it would have seemed very lost for the Jews. It just would, because a, because when a king gives an edict, it can't be revoked. It can't be reversed. That was the kicker. There's actually bad, in this case, you know, for the Jews, it was bad news. For us, it's good. When the king says something, when he makes a promise, it cannot be changed. And that's good for us when we consider our heavenly father. But in this case, it, was, it would have felt really bad. It would have felt really hopeless because there's nothing you could do to change the fact that on a certain day of the month, get this. They were allowed to, and I, they were allowed to destroy. this is what the word says. I kind of chuckled when I read this. They were allowed to destroy, number one, to kill and to annihilate. Are not those all the three thing, same things? right? Like, have you ever felt like you felt the enemy like the bad circumstances was just one thing on the top of another? That's what I, I felt like, wow. First they're going to destroy them, then they're going to kill them, and then they're going to annihilate them, and this cannot be undone. This cannot be changed. That would have seemed like loss to me. And that's where we can get. That's where I get so impacted by Esther and Mordecai's faith we know that Esther responds with this this line you know like this this great faith response where she knows she knows the detriment of the situation and for Mordecai to invite her to go and fight and stand up for the Jews meant she had to actually she actually had to confess that she was a Jew that would be exposed but she also had to she also understood that if she went into the king's presence to try to save the Jews and she wasn't invited into his presence, what happens? She's dead. But these are her words. You know, like I am so challenged by these words because when when the stack when the you know when things are against me, things are stacked against me, my ability to say yes and trust Jesus is so small sometimes. And then I I, I see Esther's response saying. What does she say? She's like, okay, if I die, I die. I can trust God. I can trust God. And that was Mordecai's faith too. Mordecai's faith wasn't in Esther, was it? No, because he says, you know what? If you don't do it, the Lord will find another way. That's what he says. He says, for if you keep silent this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. And I read that. I'm like, man, Mordecai was a man of faith. Because the edict had already been passed. He knew the severity of the edict coming down on, on the Jews. But his hope wasn't in Esther. His hope was in, in the Father. Man, if you don't do it, man, God's going to do it another way. So church, don't hope in the men and women around you, okay? Okay? Put your hope in Jesus. Right? God uses us for victory. He uses us. He he can use us to help other people in different circumstances. But ultimately, we fail each other all the time. He won't fail us. You can trust God. But we know how it plays out. Mordecai and Esther had faith. And the results are massive and life-changing. And the results of great faith of taking this line, I can trust God, change everything. According to Mordecai's word and advice, we know that the edict was made in the name of the king that the Jews could protect themselves. Right? Okay, so this is what we can do. We can make pass another law that on that same day You guys can destroy, kill, and annihilate (laughs) the triple threat, the forces that come against you. And what were the response? I was just, I'm so blessed by the Israelites' response, the Jews' response. And I think there's something for us here in this today. Number one, man, they says they got light and glad. So they heard, they, they rushed out this, dec- this new decree, they rushed it out to all the 127 uh, provinces, rushed it out there, told the Jews, hey, on that same day, you guys can muster up everything you got, and you can actually reverse and destroy, kill, and annihilate any forces that come against you. You can protect yourself. And it says, man, they got light. The Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor. And in every province and in every city, wherever the king's command and his edict reached, there was gladness and joy among the Jews, a feast and a holiday. This is how they responded when the king said, you can do this. They hadn't even won that fight yet. The battle hadn't even begun yet. And they're like, if the king says it, it's going to be. So let me ex- encourage and exhort you today. If the king says it, it's going to be, church. And you can actually be right now wherever you are with this Crazy. This is crazy that they would be rejoicing. I mean, people were coming to kill, destroy, and annihilate them, but they're like, no, this is what the king says for me, and I'm going to receive it, and I'm going to walk in it, and I'm going to have joy and hope and peace in it. Amen? This is your truth. And so when Lisa gets up here bragging about Jesus, when I get up here bragging and singing crazy things about Jesus, and Rob gets up here bragging and saying crazy things about Jesus, you can own this truth. You can take it to the bank. You can build your life on it. You can share it with other people and say, this is fact. You can take God at his word. You just can Lord, help us take you at your word. Help us, because it just ain't easy. So number one, the people had rejoiced. They owned that victory. They owned that truth. And they walked in it, and they proved it by rejoicing beforehand. Number two is, is that their faith, their trust in God's plan for them, actually spilled over to the Gentiles. It spilled over to those that didn't love Jesus. It didn't have faith. Listen to this. After the scripture I just read about their joy and having a holiday, it says, And many from the peoples of the country declared themselves Jews for fear of the Jews had fallen on them. A little bit later, and all the officials of the provinces and the satraps, of the governors and the royal agents also helped the Jews for fear Mordecai had fallen on them. They started helping the Jews. Can I submit that they saw God moving? Okay? They saw God moving, and they knew they were done, and they knew that there was a real king. There was a true God to be served. And all of a sudden, they started to want to be like them. They wanted to be them. Can I just suggest and say to you that your faith, when you walk at your faith and hope and assurance in Jesus Christ, people see it, and people will want to know it. And people will want to live it and be changed by jesus it's crazy because I was just sitting at men 's breakfast with a gentleman, and he was sharing about how he he used to know this guy he wasn 't even friends with him he just he knew this guy they I guess they rubbed shoulders uh you know in work or some kind of situation and that that guy had a son that 's all he had his buddy had a son uh, and just recently. Years after they knew each other, years, this guy calls him out of the blue. And he says, hey, I just, I just need to talk to you. My son passed away. He's not a believer. His son wasn't a believer. He wasn't a believer. Why did he call him after all those years? Why did he call this guy? Could it have been because he was looking for hope? He was looking for peace. He was looking for something to satisfy. Something empty in his heart. And he was quickened to remember. Someone who had faith. In Jesus that seemed to walk. That walk. Could it have been. After all those years. Could that be why. The person he calls. In his time of distress. Is someone that he doesn't even have a relationship with. But knows. Carries. The presence of Jesus. Or trust in God. Church you can trust God. And through your trust. Through Esther's faith. Her trust in God. Through Mordecai's trust in God. We know that deliverance came. For the Jews. Deliverance came. Through trust and faithfulness. And so I invite you just to. You know, just as a response today, to ask yourself, where is the Lord asking me to trust Him more? Where do I need to trust the Lord for things that don't seem possible? Things that actually seem impossible. Places where the things, those, those chips are stacked against you, you don't see that way forward. You don't see that hope. You feel the despair. I want to invite you to know today. Afresh. Renewed. Again I'm not pretending to teach you anything today. But to quicken your hearts and remind you that you can trust God. That he loves you. That he has good plans for you. You can trust that he's working for your good. Taking the things that are upside down and flipping them the right side up taking the things that the enemy is planning for evil, just like Joseph confessed to his brothers. Huh? And you can trust God that victory is coming. Victory is coming. Why? Because his edict, his His things that he says can't be changed. They can't be changed. They can't be changed. Father, I thank you for... This morning, I thank you for this opportunity to trust you. I thank you for this opportunity to gather and sit under your word and under your worship. Father, would you touch our hearts afresh with the truth of who you are and how madly in love you are with us? How madly hard and glorious you are working for our good to take every scheme of the devil and turn it around. So that you are glorified. And we thank you in advance. As we read. For your victory that's coming. God would others see. And know. And hear the good news. And come to a saving faith in you Jesus. Be glorified in Jesus name. Everybody said. Amen. Amen. Amen.